What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have a special guest, Brittany Holm, on the line. We are going to dive in how to make the keto diet sustainable, how kind of the supplement industry's had its effect on things, and just dive into nutrition and how to make it part of your life on a whole well-rounded point in the first place. So without further ado, how are you, Brittany? I'm doing so great. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely, absolutely. So give the audience a little little background, a little bio on you. This is the first time I've spoken with you myself, so give me and the audience a little background on you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I've always been into, um, into nutrition and fitness and wellness and um, in college, I was actually pre-med, but I, uh, after college, I decided to go a different route. I wanted to get more hands-on and kind of more preventative. So I decided to go into the supplement industry because mm -hmm. I think that there is, there's a lot of good that can be done with supplements. And, and I really wanted to, um, help people find health before they had to resort to things like prescription or, you know, and like worst case scenario surgery. Um, and, so, so yeah, I started working with a, a supplement company. I worked my way up to um, running the R&D department and so doing, you know, product development and, um, and I, I did enjoy, uh, enjoy that for a time, but um, I ended up becoming a little disenchanted with the uh, supplement industry in general, just because there's, you know, there's a, a lot of, um, in, in the same way that with, you know, big foods, it's, it's all about the bottom line and, and it becomes less in, like the consumer's health becomes less important for a lot of big companies out there and not all of them, but, um, but for a lot of them. Uh, and while I was running the R and D department, I actually hired, uh, Rachel Gregory, who is with, uh, Killin' It Keto. And, mm -hmm. um, and this was before she had started Killin' It Keto. And, she got me started on keto she with her 21 day challenge and i at the time i thought that there was no possible way that i could do it ever um because i was beyond addicted to sugar and carbs um but i i i've, I've said this many a time i didn't have a sweet tooth i had a sweet jaw yes. <laughs> and um so, so yeah, I, I basically, I just, I thought I'd give the 21 day challenge a shot just to see if I could even do it, maybe hopefully curb my sweet tooth a little bit. Um, but even in the first 21 days, uh, the changes that I saw in myself and in my energy levels and even in, in my performance with running, it, it was, it was all so mind blowing that I never looked back. And that was what, almost two years ago now. So. Um, yeah, that's how I, how I found keto in a nutshell. And then from there, I just, uh, continue trying to, to pursue keto with, uh, the supplement company, but it was just, you know, fighting the man basically in, in corporate America. And, and so I, I decided, uh, what, let's see, I think it was just, it was just a few months ago, actually December 1st, I decided to quit and pursue my own coaching business for, um, nutrition and, and just general health and wellness. And yeah, I haven't looked back. Very nice. Very nice. So there's a whole bunch of different avenues I want to dive into here. Let's start with, uh, so, so you were going to school for pre-med. What, what did you anticipate as being like your career path at that time? Where, where were you headed? I wanted to go into surgery. Um, mm -hmm. I, I come from a medical family. My mom's a nurse and, and, um, and I just think the human body is just fascinating and, and this incredibly intricate machine basically. And it's so, inc I, I love the idea of being able to get in there and manipulate, you know, the body to be able to fix something. Um, but the more I pursued medicine, the more I found alternative ways that rather than trying to fix a problem that you could prevent it entirely and, mm -hmm. or maybe not entirely, but at least, you know, help in, in trying to prevent it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I kind of, uh, veered off the, the pre-med path and, and went more, um, I don't want to say, I guess, natural, but, uh, preventative, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So 
with the um with, with the supplements and whatnot when when you were you were doing research and development with them, right? Yes. So what I mean, what was the I don't want to talk about like the specific company. I don't unless you're open to it, but what what are some of like the day to day things that you would do as far as like in the supplement industry? Because there's I don't know, like, there's a a lot of supplement companies like any other big box food company, like you were saying, are just totally dishonest, and a lot of what goes into the supplements are just marked up, and it's oftentimes just filler ingredients. So pull the the corporate veil back on that industry for us, and kind of just let the listener in on what 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 the supplement industry actually looks like. Oh boy. <laughs> um, so, and I'm not saying that all supplement in, uh, companies are like this. Um, I, I know a lot of, a lot of the big ones are, um, I, I know that there are good companies out there that, that sell quality right, products. Sure. Um, but, but in my experience, it was, you know, I had a, a great team that I put together and, you know, we would, um, either, either based on, you know, a combination of ingredients or, or like a specific goal, uh, we would formulate a product that we thought was going to be super effective. And then we'd pitch it to corporate um, because obviously we would have to get the okay from them before we could, you know, take it any further. And, you know, then corporate would come back with, uh, you know, oh, the, the price is too high or no, make these changes so that, you know, we don't have to try to source this ingredient or, um, I mean, they they would take the beautiful, well-intentioned product that we have and, and water it down basically to a a shell of, of what we wanted the product to be. And um, and that was for the products that they actually, you know, decided to move forward with. The vast majority of them, I'm pretty sure, are still just uh, sitting sitting on the idea shelf, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and and yeah and it, it and it always it always came down to um the you know the bottom line and and making the product that was going to make the most money and even even when we in our pitches for the products that we were developing i mean if if with a a solid product that would do so much good if that you know could take off, then you would make money off of it. But it was not, it was not something that we could really get uh, corporate to, um, I guess, accept that it wasn't, it wasn't the way that they worked. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because like, I mean, I see, you know, in, in having my own, my own, you know, physical product now, I, I've learned a ton about business and the, just the way it all kind of fits together. And so I can accept and appreciate that the, the, the price point has to make sense or else there's just not yeah. like the funds are going to drop. So that, that is very, very yeah. important, but not at the detriment of what it is you're trying to accomplish with that product. Um, so like a supplement, for instance, I mean, you're marketing that product and advertising it as being able to, you know, improve X or do something specific for the user. And it seems like a lot of companies, though, I mean, like they'll put so much of a minimum dose of that that substance in there that it's not even it's so diluted that it's not even having the effect that it's advertised as having, which in my opinion is just it's just dishonest marketing, really. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. That that I mean that was definitely one of the many ways that they would you know make I'll say quote unquote suggestions, but I mean really it was you know these were the changes that we had to make. Um, yeah, doing that. Uh, and and. And even, you know, cherry picking claims from studies, you know, mm -hmm. that sound really good for the marketing fluff. But, you know, in reality, they're not really looking at the the whole picture or, you know, making pretty, you know, big promises that, that yeah. the product isn't going to be able to deliver on. But just because they want, you know, the, the flashy claims that will sucker in the consumers. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like I haven't been in, into a like a GNC or like a, like a big box supplement store in a while. But, you know, like when you go to like the hardcore bodybuilding type supplements, I mean, they, they look and feel and the, the marketing and branding is so completely different to what you see on the packaging at like a, like a Whole Foods or a natural grocers as far as their supplements goes. I mean, it's, it's interesting yeah. to see how businesses market their product and kind of the audience they're trying to appeal to. But yeah. a lot of the, the, um, like the pro bodybuilder, which is probably one of the larger, like that's the kind of the demographic, like 
there's pro bodybuilders on all the, the covers of these packaging. So I mean, that's kind of the audience you're mm-hmm. trying to appeal to people that are just wanting to build muscle and get shredded and get jacked and all that stuff. And like the, the marketing is just, I don't know, it's unique because you look at the the label and you look at what's actually in the, 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 the powder or whatever it is you're buying. And half the time, it's just not, not anywhere close to what it says. And then it's almost always followed by that. Um, Oh shit, I've drawn a blank. What, what does it say? It's uh like, if it's too, too vast, uh, ingredient list to, to put in there, just put like, um, you know, assorted something. I forget the, I forget the wording that they use, but it, it's, it's not really definitive as to what's actually in the, the product. Yeah. Yeah. That was, there are a lot of companies that, that, uh, kind of squeak by, um, in regards to how, you know, compliant their labels are. That was the one thing that, that the company I worked for that they did have going from, we were very meticulous about our labels. So that's at least a plus, but I mean, on the same hand, you know, you could, for like example, a, like a simple protein powder, you know, you can call it a protein isolate and then list the, all the different proteins that are used in a proprietary blend. And then you can actually see what quantities of which proteins you're actually getting. So it could still, it could still end up being, you know, majority is, is a protein concentrate rather than an isolate, you know, and, and if, and if you're going for something specific and you want an isolate specifically, then, you know, you, you can't tell when they use a bunch of proprietary blends. You can't really yeah. tell the quantities of, of the ingredients that you're getting. Proprietary blend. That's, that's the, that's the phrase I was drawing a blank oh, okay. on. Yeah. They'll, they'll put that okay. on the end of the label and then you'll never really know what's in there. So I'm curious, you know, with you being kind of on the R and D side of things with regard to the supplementation, I mean, what like, what do you personally supplement with? If, if, you know, you, you know what you know about supplements, like what do you think is, is effective and actually use yourself? Um, you know, so I've read a lot about exogenous ketones and I think that there are times where, um, where they can be beneficial. I think, you know, on, on the daily, I don't think that's, it's really necessary. If you're, you know, following a well-formulated keto diet, you, you don't necessarily need them. Um, but you know, so I'm, I'm a long distance runner. So, mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes if I'm going to, you know, go out and do a, a really long run, then, then I'll, um, you know, maybe toss some, some exogenous ketones in just for that extra energy boost. But I, I think, um, as far as exogenous ketones go, I, I think that again, marketing here has, has really tried to, um, take advantage of the hype around them. And, mm-hmm. and I don't think that, the average person needs to be throwing their money out. And especially if you're not, you know, on the ketogenic diet, then they're not going to do much for you either way. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think they can be, they can be useful though, you know, in the situationally, um, let's see, I, what else do I take? I, um, I take a lot of, uh, like herbal, kind of, um, like I, I, an ashwagandha tincture, um, I, I've, I've been moving more towards, you know, keeping everything natural as, as much as possible. Um, what do you use the ashwagandha for? Oh, I take that, um, before, like at night, before I go to sleep. Um, it's, you know, it helps with, with stress and, and just relaxing. Um, it helps like calm my mind usually even, even when I try to go to bed. Well, Well, I try to go to bed early. And then even when I, don't make it to bed as early as I would like. My mind is generally still racing. So it just kind of, you know, helps, uh, mellow me out a little bit in, in, uh, preparation for, um, for, you know, crashing, but, uh, it's, it's an adaptogen. So it's, it's got a ton of other, um, benefits, you know, um, immune benefits and, uh, like I said, stress and, and, um, yeah, I, I, I mostly stick with adaptogens because they, they help balance your system out, you know, whether or not you're over or like, like with ashwagandha, overly stressed can impact your immune system or vice versa, then you, it, it kind of helps find the homeostatic balance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, that and, uh, let's see some, some cordyceps, um, uh, collagen. Um, I, and, uh, a, a joint supplement just, I, I mean, I guess I could probably stop taking the joint supplement now, honestly. <laughs> um, uh, I haven't had issues with my joints actually from, from all the running since I started 
uh, keto. So I probably don't really need to be taking that one anymore. Um, uh, yeah, though, th that's, that's kind of it though. I, I don't, I don't really take nearly as many supplements as I used to. I mean, even, even pre-workouts I don't take anymore. I'll either pop a fat bomb or, or have a, you know, a bulletproof coffee before a workout. Um, I, I, I just, I don't actually, I don't think that they're super necessary all the time. Um, I, I think that a better source of nutrients is to be, you know, getting them from your, your whole foods. Yeah, I totally agree. It's funny, like when I look back at what I was taking, you know, before I started keto and I, I get, I'd spent all kinds of money on supplements um, right? <laughs> and, and now I don't spend money on hardly anything supplement, supplement wise. And honestly, yeah. like I'll supplement more when I'm in a, like a contest prep because, you know, at that mm -hmm. point I'm just in a caloric deficit, so I'm not getting as much as much volume of food, not getting as much quantity of food. So I'm going to be kind of needing to supplement some of that. Um, but for the most part, I honestly don't think, you know, there's a need for a lot of supplements, especially when it comes to like, you know, a lot of the vitamins and minerals. People spend so much money on vitamins and minerals, yeah. but if you're using a well-formulated ketogenic diet, like a lot of that's just going to be inherently in the food you're eating. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually, that's another one. Multivitamins, man, I can't even tell. I, I would say probably like, I mean, 75% at least of them out there are garbage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they they use like forms of the, you know, the vitamins or minerals that aren't even like bioavailable and or they're like minimally bioavailable and 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 you're getting really you're getting like a half, not even half of, of what's actually listed on the label. It's yeah, those those ones multivitamins are ones I, I definitely uh, caution most strongly. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them have a little of what you do need and a lot of what you don't need in there. Exactly. You know, it's just a, not a very well formulated product. Um, what about amino acids? A lot, a lot of people, especially, you know, with you being in the supplement industry, branch chain amino acids are probably one of the main products that, that y'all are putting on the shelves. Um, what do you think about that? now versus then i mean are you do you still use branch chains at all or no um you know i don't actually uh i used to i used to a lot um especially i mean before keto i would you know after a, a long run i i would if if i you know skipped all of the recovery aid supplements i would be feeling it even more than you know than i would and now like i I mean, maybe I'm a little sore after a long run, but I mean, not, not really. I, I don't, I don't even, I, I don't even bother, honestly. <laughs> um, I, I just don't find a need for it anymore. But, um, but there's also been a, a lot of, I've been hearing a lot of like controversy about which amino acids are, um, like will like readily convert to glucose rather than um, yeah, you know, yeah. liking more keto friendly. So I, I haven't really ventured down, um, down that, that avenue much, at least not in, in like in working with, with clients. I, I, I just, I advocate getting your, you know, getting, getting the amino acids that you need from, from the food that you're eating. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you got to be careful too, because a lot of these, uh, supplements will have a bunch of, you know, specific amino acid in there. Like, like glutamine, for instance, I don't take glutamine because mm -hmm. it's, uh, very glucogenic. And yeah. I honestly don't think, I mean, glutamine is typically used as a recovery amino acid, but I don't mm -hmm. have any issues with recovery. So I don't feel like I need to exactly. take it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's, that's something worth noting for sure. What about, uh, what about creatine? Um, you know, it's the one thing it does have going for it is, is that it's, it's one of the better studied ingredients out there. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, and I, I know people who use it. I, I, I personally, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's like necessary personally. Um, but I mean, majority of the people that I've worked with have, have been, you know, have been women and, and their, their goal isn't necessarily to be, you know, bulking up. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I don't know, even, even without, you know, the desire to be bulking up though, I, I still, I just, or even with that desire, I don't, I still don't, I just, I think that food, I think that food is where we should be getting our, our nutrients. I'm in complete agreement there. Um, do you do like a lot of, uh, organ meats or anything? The super micronutrient dense meats? Um, I've been experimenting with them. It, it took, it took a little bit for, uh, to get my, to like wrap my head around, around that. I mean, in terms of, of cooking it myself, <laughs> mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah, no, I've, I've been, I've been experimenting with that and, and it's, I mean, they're delicious when they're prepared properly. The problem is if yeah. you don't prepare them properly, you know, like the first few that I've tried out. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's, and that's, I mean, man, talk about the organ meats and, and like eggs, 
they're, you know, they're like the, those should be like the multivitamins in the world. <laughs> yeah, definitely agree. I'm trying to incorporate a lot more organ meats and, you know, I even got those like desiccated beef liver pills because sometimes you just don't feel like cooking a liver. Um, yeah. <laughs> but getting those micronutrients in is, is key for sure. Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned uh, you're, you're a runner. Talk to me about that. How, how uh, you're in a distance runner, you said, endurance runner? I've always been, um, I've always been a runner. I've, it's, it's just a, a great outlet for me. And um, man, it's like, I, I don't, I don't need a therapist. I just go on a, on a run and I, I can, it's, it's like the most cathartic thing I could be doing if I, you know, I'm ever working over a problem or, or feeling stressed out or, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, let's see. I, I've, I've run two marathons. The first one, uh, both of them have been um, pre-keto and I've actually just started training for um, another one that I'm going to be doing, um, let's see, I think in May or June. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, both, both of the, the first two marathons, they were, they were fine. You know, they were, they were great. I mean, I, you know, couldn't walk for a while afterwards, but I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited to see how, um, how I perform in this next one now that I'm, you know, um, uh, doing keto because that was one of the, one of the reasons why I was really excited to try, uh, going keto was, was not for the weight loss, but for to like to see how it would affect my performance with running, which has just been man a different world since I started keto. And um, yeah, dive dive into that. So so you're you're this is you haven't done a marathon yet with keto, but you said you've been doing keto now for two years. Is that yeah, how you're right. Yeah, two years. So from like an endurance standpoint, what are you what are you noticing as as, as changing and, and what are you doing for fuel? Um so for before a long run, I'll do um a you know like a a bulletproof coffee or, or a fat bomb. Um I I haven't I mean before uh in, in like both of my marathons every like every hour like on like I would set a timer and even if I didn't hear the timer or something I I would feel it immediately. I would have to take, you know, those, um, like the, the cliff blocks or like the gels, um, you know, mm -hmm. for, for like an energy booster. And I, even in my long runs now, I, I just don't even, I don't even think about it. Actually, one of the problems that I have now is that I could totally keep going. I, I end up having to cut my runs shorter than I want to just because I like, I don't have time and I have to get back. I, I feel like I could be going forever. It's, it's amazing. And then, like I said, the recovery is just, it's, I mean, it's like a, a different, it's a totally different game. Um, I mean, before I was, you know, BCAAs, glutamine, um, I, I took multiple joint supplements, um, you know, because I, with all the running that I was doing, I, one of the things I was most concerned about was, you know, permanently or, you know, uh, affecting my joints in the long run. Um, mm -hmm. But man, yeah, now it's, I mean, I'm sometimes after really long runs, I'm a little sore, but it's, it's my muscles. It's not my joints. My joints don't hurt at all anymore, even after my really long ones. So um, yeah, it's just, just a, a totally, that was, it was, that was a total game changer. <laughs> Do you think you'll you'll fuel up any particular way when you when you do your marathon, your next marathon, or as far as like um like the night before, or are you just gonna kind of go into it without any any crazy changes? Um, you know, I I guess I'm I'm not really sure. I haven't gotten to a point where I'm running um like really long, like anything over ten miles right now. So I'm I guess I'm I'm once I once I get to that point, I'll I'll see how you know what my body needs. You know, obviously the most important thing when it comes to keto is is listening to your body. Why? That's the most important thing in general. Everyone should be listening to their body all the time. But um, but yeah, no, I, I think I'll I'll just I'll feel it out and and see how I go. Normally, right now I'm I run in a fasted state, and I'm I'm I guess I'm not sure how whether or not that's even a good idea for doing a full marathon. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm kind of more of a uh, figure it out as you go kind of person. <laughs> yeah. Bye -bye, yeah. yeah. Um, what, what kind of shoes? You, I'm totally asking all kinds of random running questions, but what kind of shoes? <laughs> um, do you right now I'm uh, using a Nike, Nike freeze. Are those the ones that have like, do they have a heel or are they like, um, uh, zero oh yeah, drop? no, they, they've got, they've got a heel. Yeah. Yeah. They do. Cause when I ran my marathon, granted I did it without training, but my feet were killing me and 
I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think it was my shoes so much as just the fact that my feet weren't conditioned for that kind of <laughs> that kind of event at all. I mean, I, I would say your your shoes they they play a a role, but um, yeah, the train your. I mean, you have to train your feet as much as any other part of your body to be able to you know get through it. And, um, I mean, yeah, like, like, like runner's feet, they're, you know, notoriously in rough shape. (laughs) Um, so I mean, you you develop, you know, calluses and, 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 you know, uh, like with, with ultra marathon runners, you know, like black toenails even, (laughs) but I mean, so you're, you're in your training process, you're getting your feet in the right shape, uh, just as you would for, you know, all the other parts of your body that you're training. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't run in a while. I'm getting the the bug here. I've had a couple of runners on the podcast and I don't know something about running. Like it's definitely not my natural forte, but I can really appreciate just the the mental toughness that's associated with running long distances. Like there's so many opportunities to talk yourself out of going another mile, but to go another mile, it's like, I don't know, it, it sharpens and strengthens the mind, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you come back after after a good run, it's just your the headspace that you're in is 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 amazing. It, it totally clear. You've you know you've run out your worries on the road, and it, and it's just it's just amazing. So, can I ask you a quick question with um getting your your running bug back? Um, have you looked at all into like the form? Because that's a really really important aspect of of running and being able to like run so that it's not you know damaging to your body. Yeah, so my form is terrible. I have a really bad overpronation. So uh, when I ran that marathon, the guy that I ran it with was looking, he was running behind me for a minute. And he was like, man, I don't know how you're even making this because my ankles just would like roll in like very, very, very much so. Hmm. Um, And that can't be good long term. I would think, you know, miles and miles upon doing that, like compounding over time, that's got to be pretty wrecking havoc on my joints, I would think, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, one of the, and, and I believe this of everybody, I think everybody could be a runner and it's all about form. And that's so important. Um, because you know, when you're running with bad form, it's, you're literally, you're, you're like literally running uphill. (laughs) Um, and, and it makes it Mm -hmm. so much more difficult and you have to exert so much more energy. Whereas if you're running with good form, then it, you know, it, you don't have to work as hard to keep your momentum going. And, um, and actually I just, uh, just what in September I did a triathlon with my sister and before the triathlon, she, she was just, she, well, she always swore she would never be a runner. And, um, but then she wanted to do this triathlon. And so I was like, well, I'll help you with the running part. And then you can help me with the biking and swimming part because I'm a runner. I'm, I'm okay on a bike, but I'm definitely not a swimmer. <laughs> Training for that thing was like watching a cat drowning. <laughs> um, but so yeah, so, so, uh, well, I, I made it through the bike and the swim. <laughs> um, but she kicked butt on the run, even though, and this was even before she, you know, really started incorporating the, the right form. Um, after, after the triathlon, she, you know, found that she really enjoyed it, even though she was struggling with the running. And so I, um, I got her going with, have you heard of chi running? Chi running? Yeah. C-H-I. No, I've never heard of that. So, okay. I would totally recommend this for you, especially if, if you want, you know, want to, um, pursue, you know, running, especially running long distance. If you want to do another marathon, I mean, I can't believe you did that without training. That's props to you, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, yeah. I'm not bragging. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well next for your next one. Um, before you do, uh, look at chi running. It, it goes over, you know, form where, um, where your foot should be striking. That's really important. Also, you know, um, having, you know, keeping your, a slight lean, but not a bend, but like a lean forward. Cause that keeps your momentum up, you know, um, not hunching your shoulders because that, you know, creates tension throughout your whole body. It's, it's really, that is like that. And that was a huge game changer for her. Um, before she was always a swimmer and you know running to uh well i guess what 5k because it was just a sprint triathlon so running a 5k was a huge huge accomplishment for her um but now uh now after you know like figuring out how to run with like the chi running style 
Um, now she's training for her first half marathon and she never thought she would be a runner. So I, I truly believe that everybody, you know, if, if you have a desire to be a runner, you, you can, you can be a runner. <laughs> is there another, isn't there like another, um, running style technique that, that people, maybe it's called barefoot running. Is that, is that like an actual thing? Is that like a technique that people talk about? That is a thing. Um, I don't actually barefoot, but like it's a technique, I think. Oh, um, hmm, I guess I'm, I guess I haven't, I haven't looked into that specifically, maybe just because I, I, I started doing chi running in my, like halfway through my first marathon, I was starting to get shin splints and I was devastated because mm -hmm. I, was, you know, already halfway through the training. So then I, you know, found, I can't even remember how I came across it, but I found chi running and, and it just t totally changed the running game for me. So I stuck with that and haven't looked back, I guess. And have somebody like, like teach me how to do this. Or I guess if you have a YouTube video that, that shows the technique that you would recommend them, I'll have to watch that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely, I'll shoot you over some stuff. Because running, I mean, I don't know. I think running, whether you're a runner or not, you should be capable at running, like not to say that we're going to be attacked and we need to be able to run from an enemy, but you know, or towards an enemy, but it, it makes sense to be capable. So no, I, I think, you know, having that, I mean, I feel like at any point in time, I should be able to get up and run 10 miles flawlessly and effortlessly. Like I feel like that's just a human capability that, that should be standard. Mm -hmm. You know, like you should be able to just get up and run 10 miles period, you know? Yeah. And if you're way overweight and, and unhealthy and you can't, then that should be a goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and chi running is, is great because it's, um, I mean, it even starts slow. I think there's actually a book that precedes chi running. It's chi walking. And, um, mm -hmm. just, and it's just all about form because, you know, like if you, I think one of the examples from the book, oh man, it's been a couple of years now. So, so bear with me, but so imagine, you know, like walking forward if you're you know walking straight up obviously it's easier but if if you're bent over at the waist and li like you were going to try to touch your toes and trying to walk forward then obviously it's a lot more difficult so with the right form it, it doesn't have to be so difficult and it's i mean and it, it, mm -hmm. you you actually like end up enjoying it because it's not hard like it used to be yeah it's i mean i, I would assume that if if you're if your you know body is conditioned and, and familiar with the form and you've got a great fuel source that that you do with keto i mean running could be like limitless like you just keep on going i mean obviously there's a there's a limit you have to have the right conditioning but yeah like having the right form would, would play a major part for sure yeah yeah no and that's how i feel now i i could just i could just run forever and i mean literally the only reason that i ever like cut my run like i'm like okay i have to turn back now because i have to get home and i have to do this and this and this <laughs> like I, I, mm -hmm. I, otherwise I would just, I could just, I feel like I could just go forever. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, before we started recording, you were talking about the sustainability of dieting and how, you know, what you've learned in, in doing keto for two years and what you've learned in, in doing whatever you were doing prior to keto has kind of shaped your outlook on sustainable dieting and making this a lifestyle. So kind of dive into that and, and just kind of showcase us some of the lessons that you've learned and just noticed and experienced with like your clients and just people that you've interacted with? Um, yeah. So, I mean, first and foremost, I think, um, I mean, we, as, as, as humans, we just, we get so much enjoyment out of food and, and I think no matter what diet you're pursuing, I think that that has to, um, that level of enjoyment has to be maintained. Otherwise it's going to feel like a punishment. And, I mean, and you know, nobody's going to voluntarily go seek a punishment. <laughs> so, um, just, just to, to make it, you know, livable and enjoyable, you need to be able to like keep your enjoyment of the food that you're eating. And well, fortunately for us with keto, it's, uh, it's super easy to keep it enjoyable because with all the fat comes all the flavor. So, so that's nice and easy. Um, but I think one of the um, one of the most important things that I have found in, in working with people is um, finding the the things that they that are special and like and um, that they are really attached to food wise and um, figuring out the you know creative like keto solutions for those uh, because then when you know especially in the transition when they're having like a craving then they have you know, a go-to option that is, you know, acceptable, whether it's, 
like I was working with um with this uh one girl who was just she used to eat a ton of fruit and fruit I mean you know is well healthy uh, especially compared to you know some you know, like a bunch of refined carbohydrates but but still um, all of the fruit that she was eating ended up adding up to like a, a bunch of sugar and um so you know some of the alternatives that that we worked our way around were you know some some berries and she could you know do a small amount of berries or or making gummies with like electrolyte powders um mm-hmm. and so so that it felt fruit fruity <laughs> um but but yeah so so things like that where it's just uh where you don't you need to make sure that you don't feel like you're being deprived because if if you get to that point then then you know it it just it makes it all the harder to continue with your transition when especially when your body is is literally craving the the you know or like going through withdrawal from sugar yeah i think you know i've talked about this before on the podcast but when i first started i think same as a lot when a lot of people first start the diet they they have all these you know substitutes keto substitutes mm-hmm. um which which kind of act as stepping stones which i'm yeah. all for like if that makes it easier to bridge the gap between doing keto versus not doing keto then you know take advantage of that for sure yeah. um i mean i i did and you know i noticed that the longer i stayed in ketosis the longer i was on the diet the more i you know phase those out and i just didn't crave them as much mm-hmm. um but i think incorporating them in the beginning if that's what's going to be the make and break factor is you know well warranted for sure yeah um plus i mean it's just fun like it's it's fun to be able to you know make a a cheesecake or something or a pizza that is probably i mean it's not the best most optimal keto meal by any means but is significantly better than any kind of carbohydrate alternative um I mean, it's just it's just fun to be able to make that and see you know does it taste good does it taste close is this is this enjoyable I don't know, like that, that just gives you another outlet to kind of dive into. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, and, and one of the things I always, um, you know, especially working with, with people who are new to it, it's a point that I really, really try to drive home is that your palate changes. And mm-hmm. eventually you, you, don't, you don't crave the sweet things like you used to. So, um, yeah, using them, like you said, as, as a stepping stone, especially in the beginning to, to get you, you know, into it and get you used to not eating the types of carbs that you were, you know, used to eating, um, then, you know, then slowly, you know, decreasing the, the quantities and the frequencies of, of those kind of, um, fluffy keto things. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I mean, honestly, you know, there's a legitimate keto alternative for any carbohydrate meal out there. Like some are obviously better than others, but there's, there's something out there that can at least get you by. So like, I hate the excuse people use when they'll you know be like on a vacation or they'll they'll be doing something and they haven't really gotten keto adapted yet they're trying to but they they keep kind of skirting the line and they'll just reach for something they're familiar with instead of just putting forth a little bit of extra effort to make or or get that keto alternative but i mean like like thanksgiving as a prime example you know Mm -hmm. you've eaten that that pecan pie every year up until this point you know exactly what it tastes like you know a keto substitute for it may not taste quite as good, but it's not enough of a difference to warrant just totally letting your goals and aspirations fall. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that's like super important, especially for someone beginning is is being prepared. So I mean, that's one of the first things I do with clients is, you know, look at their, their schedules and, and their calendars for, you know, the next however, like, I usually like three months out and, and just to make sure that we're prepared for all the things that are coming up, you know, whether it's a trip, like a vacation, then then, you know, the week before that, then we'll, we'll um, spend time prepping, uh, you know, mindset of, of how to be able to avoid certain things and, and even, you know, stocking their, their pantry. And, um, or like, if it's a trip stocking, you know, uh, their suitcase with, with quick and easy options for for situations where, you know, they're, they're not going to have, uh, you know, access to, a whole pantry, you know, like a, like, a, like, um, a, a wedding <laughs> actually, right. When I mm-hmm. first started keto, I went to, um, my, one of my best friends from college, I went to her wedding and I was like, I am going to this wedding and there's going to be cake and it's going and, and all this amazing food. So <laughs> I, I ate the salad that was served 
and I brought a handful of almonds. And when they pulled out the wedding cake, I pulled out my chocolate lilies bar <laughs> so that I <laughs> so that I could also have something sweet, but you know, something that wasn't going to send me down the the sugar cycle spiral. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's that's admirable for sure. Like you, you didn't let something like that, you know, out of your norm become an excuse to indulge. And and honestly, you know, I'm probably a little bit more extremist than a lot of people when it comes to food. Like I've got a pretty hard line on where I stand with that. But it didn't happen overnight. Like it took me years to kind of get to the point where I'm at now. But I'm at a point now in which case it's like, look, food is fuel. It's there to to energize you and give you the means to function at a high rate throughout the course of a day. So if you're if you have the mental relationship with food that that doesn't allow you to function because that becomes what you're fixated on, like that's a bigger problem and, and that needs to be addressed first and foremost. And like I said, I mean, it did not happen overnight for me. Like I had all kinds of eating disorders, but knowing that that food is simply a fuel source is key and not to put it on a pedestal and grant it this power over you mm-hmm. is is kind of where I think most people should be should be, you know, gravitating as far as their outlook towards it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's actually one of the I think one of the um, most positive, uh, I guess, underlying effects of, of keto is is that it becomes a really useful tool in repairing your relationship with food. Um, because, mm-hmm. I mean, prior to keto, it's I mean, it's I, sugar is, I mean, it is a drug and and you are addicted to it without even realizing and and so it's it's understandable why people you know get to points where that's all that like all that they can think about um but yeah one of and and one of the the things that is is really important to the success of of any transition is really evaluating your relationship with food and and kind of healing that relationship because you know other otherwise you know then then you could spiral off into the you know the the keto um, friendly junk food, you know, aisle in the store, you know, it's, 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 it's really, it's, it is really important to, to address any underlying issues that you have in your relationship with food. Yeah. And it's, I don't ever want to come across as, you know, not feeling relatable or not, you know, sympathizing with people that are, you know, in, in a dark spot right now with food. Um, cause like I said, I mean, I've been there before, but it's it's crazy how many people do struggle with that. Like it, it goes unnoticed because people don't typically talk about it. But you know, there's like I've got several clients that have struggled a lot with food, and I'll hear their stories and they'll talk to me and kind of tell me where they're coming from, and it just really puts me back to where I was. And I mean, it's it's it feels like like when you're going throughout the day, and literally every decision you make is based off of. You know, it's tie-in and relationship with food, whether that be what it is, when you're going to have it, um, you know, just structuring, things like that. Like, you feel totally crippled and debilitated. Like, you cannot function at a high rate because, you know, you have one focus and it's not really moving you that much closer to anything in life, per se. I mean, like, what I eat today is not going to, um, you know, impact my 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 day, my, my productivity. It's just food. It's just fuel. Mm-hmm. but. When you're in that spot, when you're in that that darkness, it is it is crazy. Like it's there seems to be no path, there no no right path to take. I mean, people can tell you all day long, look, this is this is what you got to do, just do it. But saying it and living in it are two different things. And I, I truly do think that keto, you know, since I mean, just simply looking at it from like a you know biological standpoint, what's actually happening when you eat that you know those carbs and that glucose? Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're having that insulin response, I mean, that just kind of pulls a veil and a mask over what your body and mind need and is telling you. And when you strip that away and you're eating a, you know, wholesome ketogenic diet, you're just so much more in tune with what your body needs at once. And when you're there, you just have much more control over what you eat. And that's when, that's when I saw the light, so to speak, and I've looked back since. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, um, it's, it's really amazing. The, the freedom that keto gives. Um, I mean, in, in so many different ways, but I think probably the most powerful way and, uh, and what I've heard, um, that I've experienced myself and what I've heard from, from my clients is, is that they, it's food isn't all that they think about anymore. And, and all of a sudden they have freedom, not only to be doing other things that are productive, 
but also, you know, freedom to choose what they want to eat. And it's, it's not like it's got some crazy power over them anymore. Yeah. And, and a lot of people will start the keto diet and like their only goal will be weight loss and they'll be so fixated on losing weight that they'll, they won't even recognize that their total relationship with food has changed and that's not what they're focusing on anymore. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I encourage everybody to just like take a step back and look at that, like evaluate that situation. If you're, you know, starting the diet for weight loss and the weight hadn't changed that much, but then you recognize that, Hey, I'm not just basing every decision I make on food. Then, I mean, that's a huge, huge win right there. Like that, yeah. that's probably the single greatest thing that can happen. And in, in my opinion, as far as relationship with food and nutrition goes. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, taking, taking the power back in your, into your own hands and, and, you know, out of not your taking the power away from, from what your stomach, I guess, really in your mind, it's, it's, it's really taking yeah. it, taking it back in your own hands and, and having the power and the, and the freedom to make the decisions that you want to be making. Cause a lot of the people that I've worked with, I mean, they, they know what they, they know they shouldn't be eating, you know, all this, all this processed and super refined all all the the all the crazy junk food they know they shouldn't be eating it but it's they're at a place where it's it's it feels impossible to even try to resist because they're so hooked on it and yeah it's it's really it's about taking regardless of what your your end goals are it's it's really about taking the power of uh back in your own hands and taking your health back in your own hands what what is your um what what is your typical clientele what's your clientele base look like demographically speaking um Generally, with the goal of of weight loss is is where you people usually get started. Um, although you know, one of the first things I try to do is is open their minds to all the other things that they'll be um, experiencing. But uh, but age and um, a majority of um, I've worked with uh, women and ranging in age from probably like twenty to what maybe let's see sixty. Mm -hmm. So pretty, pretty broad range as mm -hmm. far as the, the age is concerned. What, what have you noticed to be like the, the, the largest misheld belief from your clientele base? Like, what are they coming to you with like the, like, what's the most common recurring just point of ignorance, I guess, as it relates to the diet? Man, it's, it's always up front. It's always a really big battle to get them over the um, anti-fat mindset. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, I mean, man, that has just been drilled like home in all of us for so long that it is, that's always a big battle to, um, to kind of get them over that hump. Uh, but I've, I found that, you know, like going into and, and trying to explain, I have to try to keep, uh, you know, keep, keep it in lay terms as much as possible. Otherwise I'll wander down a, uh, a, a path of, of scientific terminology that will just lose yeah. them. But, but keeping it simple, yeah. trying to explain, you know, what happens in the body when they're eating carbs versus what happens in the body when they've transitioned over to, you know, burning fat for fuel and, um, and, you know, trying to get them to grasp and, and wrap their head around that. And also probably, um, even actually really, even before, even before I get to that point, um, what I like to do is I, I spend the first week, um, at, at having them tracking their food and keeping a food journal mm -hmm. of just just as they normally would live and and you know not changing anything just live your life like you normally do and then going back and looking at that and and it, it never fails to surprise them how much carbs that they're actually consuming people don't even realize i mean they're and and how much sugar they're consuming i mean there's like there's sugar in ketchup. They put sugar in everything. It's insane. And, and, and getting, um, getting them to, to really see how much they're actually consuming. Um, and then having the conversation of, of what all of that sugar and all, all those carbs are doing to you that, um, that I think helps kind of bridge the gap to this is why, you know, you need to switch over and, and cut out all the, the crap you know, and, and, and start burning yeah. fat for fuel it, that it kind of helps bridge the gap. Yeah. So on that, uh, let me hinge off a question there. What, what is your take on, uh, like tracking macros, both for yourself and, and your clients? Obviously you have them track initially just to kind of give themselves a foundation as to what they're actually consuming. Mm -hmm. But from like a sustainability standpoint, do you 
think tracking macros is a, a positive thing or, or negative? Um, well, you know, I I think I, I think it varies. I, I there have been some people that I've worked with that they they like it and they have to, and and they're even still you know even you know a month or two in, they're still um, you know tracking because because they want to and 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 that's what they like to do. Um, I think though the majority of people um, don't want to have to be doing that every single day. And, uh, I think, I think it's really helpful, especially at first, um, even after, you know, after the first, you know, carb week or, you know, regular week, then throughout the transition, you know, for even maybe the first, you know, month or two at least, um, well, I guess it really depends. It really depends on how quickly someone picks things up. But at first, while you're learning, you know, um, how, how much of different things and, and what, you know, what a certain quantity of meat looks like versus what a certain quantity of, you know, spinach looks like and 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 helping them understand what is contributing carbs because a lot of people I've worked with they don't even realize that something like spinach that 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 counts as as carbs I mean mm-hmm. when you get to you know subtracting out the fiber and, and net carbs and all that but but still it's it's something that you know some sometimes people don't even realize what actually counts as carbs and so I think it's really helpful in helping them understand um, what their, their diet should be looking like. But the first thing that I always, you know, say when, when someone raises concerns about having to track macros forever is, is that you don't, you, you get to a point where you, where you don't have to anymore. And, and that's the point that I like to work towards with my clients is that, um, that you get to a point of like intuitive eating where, where you're, it's, it's not about the food you're not eating because you want to be eating, you know, whatever it's, it's, you're, you're listening to your body and you're, you know, responding in kind, you know, you're eating when your body's telling you that, that it's hungry because now all of a sudden your, your hunger hormones are actually, you know, under control and you can actually hear them. And, and, you know, if you're not hungry, you know, then, then don't eat and wait until you are hungry. And after, after a certain point, you've, you've gotten used to what the quantities look like that you should be eating. And, and yeah, so it all just becomes a little bit more intuitive and and you don't have to, you can get to a point where you don't have to be tracking macros all the time. And like now I, I mean, occasionally I'll still like every, you know, every so often I'll, you know, I'll track for a couple days or, or a week if I'm, you know, if I'm feeling like I'm off or something, but, but vast majority of the time I'm, I'm not tracking because I, because now I know I've, I've learned to, you know, listen to my body. And, and I, I know when, when something, you know, like if, if I've had like a, a salad dressing that I thought was okay, if, if all of a sudden I'm, you know, feeling sluggish, then, then I'm like, well, I guess that salad dressing was not okay. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I've gotten to a point where I can just listen to my body and then I can kind of course correct without even needing to look at my macros. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, as far as different dieting protocols go, like keto is the easiest and best one yeah. to do if you're, excuse me, the best one to do if you're trying to be instinctive with it. Like you're much more capable of being instinctive with keto than you are with like a carb-based diet mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, I definitely think like, I don't know, for me as a, as a competitive bodybuilder where every gram does have an impact. Like I track very specifically then like in a competition mm-hmm. prep, but I don't track so much in the off season. Like right now, for instance, I, I figured my macros for where I kind of want to be. And then I'll, you know, know what that looks like. I'll prepare that meal based off of those macros, but then I'll just prepare a similar meal every day and then I'll have to track macros every day. Yeah. Um, so I kind of have a good baseline, but so many people, like you said, are just, they're not aware of what they're actually consuming and mm-hmm. what goes into these foods. So making it a habit to familiarize yourself with tracking and at least being capable of it. And then, you know, knowing what all the ingredients are and how those play into, you know, your bodily, uh, like how your body functions with those ingredients um, is key. But then a lot of times too, it just comes down to laziness. Like a lot of people, they don't want to track macros, but they'll spend 30 minutes playing Angry Birds. You know, it's like, wait a minute here. (laughs) So it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a necessary evil, especially in the beginning. um, Because it, because it really, it, it helps you it helps you learn what you can and can't do um, without, you know, completely derailing by accidentally eating way too much of something. Um, and then mm-hmm. finding yourself, you know, so far out of ketosis, you have to go through the transition entire, like entirely all over again. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a necessary evil, but 
Um, but yeah, I think, I think that it, it is as long as you, you know, are, are monitoring, you know, your body and how you're feeling. Um, I, I think that you, you can definitely get to a point where you don't need to be doing it every day. And, and like I said, I mean, every now and then, if, you know, if, if you are feeling off then then go for it, start, you know, track for another few days or, or a week and, and, and see, you know, and make sure that you are still where you need to be. But, um, but yeah, I think that is, I think that's one of the, one of the ways to make it more of a lifestyle and, and to make it sustainable is, is to get to a point where it's like livable and where, you know, you don't have to be, you know, counting every single little thing because you're kind of already aware of it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just another tool in the tool chest, so to speak. I mean, know how to use it, be, be familiar with it and become acclimated at, you know, knowing how that impacts you, but don't become a slave to it. Um, and then some people, like you were saying, they're just totally like, like data geeks just love the numbers. And I mean, they, they, they love crunching the numbers and, and seeing them in like in a spreadsheet and in which case, you know, more power to you. I mean, I, I'm definitely like that when I have a specific goal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So just kind of, you know, dressing it for the individual and accepting that for who they are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and speaking in terms of becoming slaves to something, and another thing that is, is a, a big battle is, is, um, getting them past the point of, of just chasing, you know, their, the the ketones and like, like monitoring them excessively. And, you know, I mean, it's hard not to at first because you get so excited (laughs) and then you're like, Oh, what's my number today? But it's, it's after a certain point, you know, I mean, you, you don't even end up producing as many because your body knows how much you need to be fueled. And then you're, you know, so it's, it's it's such a uh it's not entirely reflective of how well you may or may not be doing i i think and um and actually one thing that i do encourage people to do is you know trying different ingredients and then and then testing to see you know how their body responds specifically to you know like for example i i know um a, a couple of different uh, starches that, or not starches, I'm sorry, of of vegetables that will totally throw me out of ketosis, even though I don't know why they shouldn't, you know, I I don't, I feel like they shouldn't, but I'm sorry, what was that? What vegetables? Um, let's see, there's, um, uh, tomatoes. I'm really sensitive to tomatoes. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I can only do like a very minimal number. Um, strawberries, strawberries affect me a lot more than I, than, than I've seen in other people. Um, so I have to keep that minimal too. And nuts, uh, man, I have to, I have to really limit my nut quantities. Otherwise, um, that, I mean, that can definitely kick me out. It's, but like little and not, not all nuts either. Um, like almonds definitely throw me. Um, but let's see. Macadamias. I'm, I'm nuts, you ever had peely nuts. Peely nuts. Yes, I do. I, I love peely nuts. Yeah. Those ones are good. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of, um, a couple of, I mean, I, I can't even remember half of them now because now I, I've stopped, I've stopped buying them for so long. <laughs> um, but I, I, I do think you're right though. Like testing, if you like, you know, using the, the keto meter to test or the glucose meter, um, to test, to see how your body responds to a specific food, I think is very, very good information. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, like any kind of experimentation stuff is, is worth, you know, getting the data on, but like just randomly testing throughout the day, every day is, is definitely not the goal. Yeah. No. And, and definitely, and I mean, man, it can, I mean, if you're trying to test once or twice a day, I mean, that'll, that'll add mm-hmm. up. I mean, even, even with things like Keto Mojo now where it's, where it is, you know, they're, they are more affordable, but I mean, that'll still add up if you're going to be doing that every day. So it's, and, and it's just, it's not necessary. I mean, you'll, you'll get yeah, to a point where sure. you can, where you'll, you'll know based on how you feel, how well you're doing. Yeah. And, and like you said, you know, the longer you're adapted, the, the less ketone BHB you'll have floating around your bloodstream to be, to be picked up on a meter anyway. It's like, exactly. once I realize that it's like, okay, this is just a waste of my time to, to be testing on a regular basis. Because even if I have a low number, you know, it, it's not indicative to whether or not I'm adapted. Yeah, not, exactly. You know. Exactly. It just means that your body's gotten even more efficient. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. Well, what what do you have? Um, like, what what are you excited about going forward? I mean, you you've been keto for two years. You have your clients now. You know, what is your your goal moving forward? Like, I mean, the fact that you take it on clients and you kind of moved away from the corporate world. I mean, I can totally relate with you on that. And kudos to you because that's where the fulfillment comes from. But but what are you excited about now? Man, I am. Oh man, there's so many things. <laughs> um, I 
Okay, well, one kind of uh, silly, but uh, not silly to me anyway, <laughs> um, a thing that I'm super excited about is that I actually just got my dog started on keto, <laughs> which oh, nice. is is just great. She was, I mean, she was a little bit overweight. Um, her, the vet said she needed to lose a few pounds, but it was something that I had been thinking about doing for a while because, I mean, just the same as us, dogs shouldn't be eating a bunch of, you know, carbs and, and refined crap. Um, so, mm -hmm. so yeah, I went through, uh, I, you know, I, let's see, Keto Pet Sanctuary. I used their, um, the calculator. I got her started and she's doing, you know, the raw food diet and, and she's just loving it. Her energy levels are way better. She's already lost a bunch of weight. Um, not a bunch, but like, you know, what she needed to. Um, and actually mm -hmm. my parents' dog who has a really bad cancer, they just got, after I got my dog started, then, you know, I, I had them get, their dog started and he's doing better too which which is amazing because his cancer is inoperable and and he was just in really rough shape but now he's doing a lot better which is which is great i mean i know it's their dogs but they're members of the family <laughs> um yeah yeah and speaking of members of the family my sister who um i let's see i think maybe maybe almost a year now she's um she started doing keto and Actually, through Rachel um, with Killing It Keto, that they have the let's see—is it Killing It Fat Fueled the the family program? Um, mm -hmm. She's she just got her whole family started on it. So my two nieces and um, and they're you know well I, let's see I think it's been it's like their first week but um, but yeah that's super exciting too because man if you look at the food that kids eat that is that's yeah, just scary. mind blowing yeah. Um, so, so I'm really excited about that and, uh, like really interested in, in trying to see what else I can do in, in that kind of arena. Um, and you know, I'm just, I'm really excited to be sharing this message because one of the things that was so mind blowing to me when I first started keto and then I started reading more because I, I was so excited about all of the, the changes that I had experienced. Um, so, you know, I started investigating even more and the more I read, the more I was just blown away by the fact that, I mean, I'd always been, I'd always tried to be healthy. I'd always tried to eat healthy. I, I thought I was. And even with my, you know, occasional like crazy indulgences and in a lot of, you know, sweets and things overall, I, I tried to eat healthy and I thought I was eating healthy and, and it's so crazy now knowing what I know now how unhealthy I was actually living and, and I didn't know because I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. And, and I know that that is where so many people are right now. And it's a it, man, it's going to be, it's, I think it's, it's going to be an uphill battle forever. Um, especially knowing, you know, who's, who makes these policies and sets the guidelines and, and the fact that they, you know, you know, I mean, there's no money to be made off of healthy people. So you know, it's, it's going to be a huge battle yeah. to try to get anything actually changed, but just spreading the awareness and, and opening people's eyes to, to a better way. I, I think it's just, it, it has, it gets me really excited. I, I just am so excited to try to help as, I guess, as many people as, as I possibly can, because it's so many people just don't even know that they're not making healthy choices because they they think that they are making healthy choices because that's what they've always been told. <laughs> yeah, I was actually just talking about this on my on my last podcast, but it's I mean the information is out there, the science is out there, the research is out there, like enough people are doing it and seeing the the positive uh you know improvements from it. So I mean like it's it's there, but just simply because of, you know, where we've come from, where the government's placed us, where the research or where where the the media is, I mean where all the marketing is, it's it's unfortunate because so many people don't even know where to look to find that information. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like for us in the keto space, it's like, well, just type in keto and spend five minutes looking on Google. But, you know, like a lot of people, I mean, they, they, I mean, they don't even know what keto is. Like they, they just don't know where to even start. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not like you said, it's not going to come from, you know, the governmental policies or you know, these big corporations because there is no money in it. And, it's sad, but that's just the way the world works. I mean, that's just the reality we live in. So you have to kind of cope with it and adjust accordingly. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's it's awesome for me 
to see, you know, you and others like you and myself just like so invigorated in spreading that message because we know how much it's impacted our lives personally mm -hmm. that we just want other people to be able to experience the same kind of sensation that we have. I mean, like when I when I got over my, you know, eating stuff and, and, and felt as good as I do now, it's like, shoot, I mean, if I can make 10 other people feel this way, then we'll just the world will be a better place, you know? So yeah. having that kind of outlook and spreading it, you know, grassroots organically like that is that's, that's what I get excited. Yeah. About. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and man, like the, the ripple effect is, is huge. It's you, you get one, one person to, you know, experience the changes, then all, all the people in their lives are like, wow, this person, all of a sudden, you know, they're looking great. They've, they've lost weight that they've been trying to lose forever, but also they're nice and happy. And, mm -hmm. and like, you know, relationships are improved and, and then, you know, and then that causes, you know, the, the next person to be you know, like, what did you do? How are you doing so awesome? And, you know, and it's the ripple effect is, is huge. And the, the more people that we, you know, touch, the, the more will be touched. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's so very just powerful to see somebody's eyes light up with enthusiasm again when they believe in themselves and are inspired and excited about the future like that is the coolest thing ever like when you actually see that shift happen mm -hmm. and like uh, i mean that, that's what that's what wakes me up in the morning right there if i if i can see that on a regular basis like i'm happy you know it's like yeah anything i can do to ensure that that continues to you know move in the right direction that needle keeps moving forward i mean that's what i'm gonna do so yeah i, I appreciate you you know sharing your story and taking the time to jump on the podcast and putting the word out there because the more people like you spread the word, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you too. Thank you so much for having me on. Your podcast is great. And, and it's exactly what, you know, what, what we need to, to get the message out there. So, so thank you. Thank you for everything that you do. Well, I certainly appreciate it. Where can uh, people go to find out more about you uh, on social or anything? Yes, yeah, I'm on uh, uh, Facebook and Instagram. It's uh, Key Total Health and Wellness, and um, you can also check out my website. It's KeyTotalHealthAndWellness.com. And um, yeah, any any questions, any any uh, you know tips needed or um, or advice about how to start, I, I'd be happy to you know if if not help you with coaching, then at least help point you in the right direction. Very good, very good. Well. Brittany, again, I really, really appreciate the time. And I mean, if there's anything I can do, certainly don't hesitate to reach out because we're all on the same page here with the same mission. So uh, thanks again. And again, if there's anything I do, let me know. All right. Absolutely. Thank you again so much. Have a good one.